The Approaching the Natural podcast with Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid is the author of Approaching the Natural, a Health Manifesto, a certified nutritionist, health coach, and programs director at the Stanford Inns Wellness Center on the Mendocino coast of California. Hello, small steppers. Sid Garza-Hillman here, and this is my show, my weekly podcast. Welcome, you guys. If you are uh, just joining me, then I'm glad you're here, and if you've uh, been here before, I'm glad you're back. Okay, simple, sweet, onwards. What do I do here every week? Well, I first of all, I'm a certified nutritionist. I'm a small steps coach. And uh, years ago, like three-ish, decided I would, on the heels of my book release, that I would start talking about ideas um, about living better in the modern world. My ideas of health and happiness, my ideas of small steps, my approach to Taking control of your life, that is essentially what it is. There's a fine line between taking control of your life and trying to maintain control where you can't get control. So the word control sometimes is a sticky one because we don't want to be control freaks. We don't want to try to maintain control over things that aren't in our control. What I believe we can do is take control of our lives such that we're very clear about what is in our control and what is not. And we don't make efforts to try to just maintain the exter- things that are external to us to our own detriment. We don't, we don't look outward so much and try to just keep everything as orderly as possible because we don't want to make waves and don't want to upset and we want to maintain and make things. We have all these expectations that I talked about last week and we try to force these outcomes and, and it never works. But if we get inside and say, okay, who am I? And the more I become that person, the better I do. That that to me is what control really is. It's 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 just it's being. I don't even want to use the word self discipline because that's not really what that sort of implies, like that forced kind of thing too. But in a sense, it's just being present and being very clear about who you are more often than not. Right? You're just like, yeah, I got this. If you can say, yeah, I got this. You know how I eat, how I feed myself. Yeah, I got this most of the time. How I move my body, yeah, I got this most of the time. So it's sort of moving your brain in that direction of control, okay? And even the idea of like control yourself, that it, there's an implication there of that kind of idea of like let's not go to extremes, let's not freak out and or at least not often, you know, and 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 try to maintain things in a way that delivers us what what I believe we really want and and w- one of the main reasons I come here every week. There's 174 weeks. Somebody a buddy of mine just asked me yesterday they're like, "So how often do you do it?" And I'm like, first of all, like how can you not listen to my podcast? You're a friend supposedly. Um, would they hadn't, but they were like, "How often?" I go, "Well, every week." Well, how long? Well, just 174 weeks without missing. And it has been, you know, quite a ride, you know, like it has changed my life. And it's, it's like, uh, I'm going to get into that in this week's episode, but it's, it's just pulling the trigger on stuff. You know, like I had an idea of that I would try to do this and I was on a podcast many moons ago, Rich Roll's podcast and didn't even know what podcasts were at the time and, and was on his and thought, God, I, that sounds like something I might want to pursue and emailed Rich, and he goes, watch these things, and you'll learn how to do it, and I did, and launched it, and never looked back, and, uh, you know, that's for, like I said last week, like, my book is your, your exercise plan, you know, my podcast is your arts and crafts, things that we want to pursue in our lives, and 
we don't want to spend too much time dilly dallying. We, we, I think deep down we want to get get going. We want to get going on stuff, and so that's part of what I'm going to discuss in this week's episode. Okay, so a few quick announcements. I want to whip through these because they bore me to death. But the health made simple thing is super cool. It is a meal plan. So if you're my friends were like, oh, she's so talking about food every week. I was like, no, not hardly ever. Only to make fun of it. Um, but Health Made Simple is a meal plan. And so the reason I don't have to talk about it in my podcast is because I've co-created this kick-ass meal plan with Matt Frazier for those of you who want to get, get deeper in the food realm, in still in the context of being learning about small steps and being a small stepper, you go to Health Made Simple. I mean, that is it's going to be that whole thing. It is unlike any other meal plan. That's for real. It may not be for everybody, but it's definitely not like any other meal plan. A lot of meal plans have that just a ton of stuff and all these recipes. And we just realized like most people don't follow that stuff. Like I talked about last week, like even the blue purple apron thingies are are stress causing. Like they sound great, but it's still time in the kitchen. And if you want to just eat well most of the time, then this is the thing for you. And then, you know, you can mess around like I do on weekends when we have time to to explore. Great. But day to day when I'm just trying to get going in the morning, I had boom, health made simple. Okay. So you go to nomeatathlete.com slash meal-plan-system. By the way, um, it does include like live Q&As with Matt and me and and uh, a health cast exclusive to members. And we're doing a live Q&A in two days. So for those of you, I know that I have a bunch of listeners who are members. And so on Thursday, you know, whatever, it's coming. So go check your email because Matt always sends one out to everybody. Okay, good. Um I have no sponsors for this for this podcast. Just in general, I don't. And I but but I do in the sense that you guys who support me uh, and just by listening is great and it's amazing. But for those of you who go just beyond that to say, let me throw you a couple bucks or buy a, you know a nutty nut nut T-shirt or a mug and or from your website, that keeps the old figurative lights on too. So thanks to everybody who does that. And for shooting me an iTunes review, if you haven't done that yet, that'd be awesome. Just subscribe, first of all. And second of all, go to iTunes and either just click a star or throw me a few sentences if you are so inclined. I run the Wellness Center at the Stanford Inn, stanfordinn.com. Okay, boom, done. All right. Um, and by the way, if you go to my website, Sid Garza, I'm not done. Uh, Sid Hillman.com is just go there. There's links to all my social media. You can get the stuff that you can buy. You can get a free chapter of my book if you put your email address in there. I don't send a bunch of emails like I send when the podcast comes out. It's very well organized. Like you can select what you want to hear about. And it's one of them is newsletter. I've never done a never done a newsletter. And probably never will. I just, every minute I would spend on a newsletter is a minute I would be shooting a video. That's how I look at it. Okay, so back to that. The, 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 my my goal with social media is simply to alert people when I actually create the work, like this podcast and my videos. And so please go to YouTube and subscribe and watch my videos one to two a week while I'm working on my book, a minimum of one, sometimes two, um, just did one posted this morning, actually, um, and getting really good response from that. I had a little fun. It's on balance. And um, I think, you know, this week's episode will relate a little bit to to that. Just the, the concept of balance is one of these words that's overused, like sustainable. Like everybody just says that now. Green, they're, they're a green company. But the, that, that, what does it actually mean? Because now it just doesn't mean anything. Um, and balance, you know, is one of those things. I think it's a, a very good concept. I think it's a very good ethic to understand for yourself what that means for you. 
Um, for me, it means I don't want to let any one thing go, and I also don't want to put too much into any one thing either. <clears throat> I, I've certainly put more energy into certain areas of my life, for sure, than others, but not to the point where others tank. So in other words, family, f- number one. But I don't just do family because then I would be, oh, I don't know, unemployed and broke and couldn't give food to said family. So there's considerations in my life that are beyond any one thing because it's a balancing act to just get up in the morning and go to work. It's a it's a balancing act to live in the modern world. And I think the better we understand that and give in in a way to that, the better. I think if we do too much work, we become workaholics. Um, and then usually we become alcoholics because the stress of that derails us. So we need to be able be mindful of all the aspects of our lives and more importantly than that, as small steppers, and this is what I always come down to, is this is a practice, what I'm talking about every week. If you're just joining me, this is about building a practice as a small stepper. And so I go behind and be like, be, I'll lift the veil is what I like to say, but I, I sort of get behind these concepts. So while balance is a, a very worthy concept and, and a very worthy idea to, to, to pursue, to me, however you describe define balance in your own life. It is still for me about building a practice whereby you are somebody who gets used to looking at your life in any certain way, like in this case, balance. Like if you can build a practice in where you're just that kind of person who just instinctually, like you build the instinct, you know what I mean? Of I just get up and I just think this way. Like I, I've been doing this a while as a small stepper. So the practice of being a small stepper for me is really ingrained in me like it's and I still flub like I talked about the book like I decided for some reason that I couldn't small step the book I was just too stressed and realized I had to and and I had a solution right there but I've but in in most cases I'm very good at approaching my life as a small stepper I've gotten used to that practice same with balance I I anything that I do I sort of just immediately and spontaneously just just immediately consider other things as I say, okay, well, I'm going to sign this book contract. In my brain, I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to Lisa about it. I want to make sure that the, my work is good and about it. I'm going to make sure I'm not training for any run. Like I, I just kind of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put all these other things into place. And I think we, 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 at least people I work with and, 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 and have just over the years done this with, you know, sometimes that's what trips people up is they, is that, is that they don't consider those other areas when they take something on and so are inclined to take on too much in that moment because they're just like, screw it, I'm going. And it and there's a certain part of me that loves that. Like, it's great. Like, dive in, man. Just go. Go big, go hard. But don't beat yourself up when you fail because you just set yourself up for a 99, 95% chance of failure. And so go for it, but don't be mad or upset with yourself if it doesn't work out because just just find something else or dial it back down so that you can, uh, you know, succeed better next time, right? Okay. Speaking of dial back days, by the way, I'm back into those and I've, I kind of haven't lost. There's certain things that like I started long time ago and talked about in the podcast and I just love them. Integrated exercise, just great this morning, just doing some stuff at home before I went to work and just dropped down and did my push-ups and some lunges and just boom, 10, 30 seconds on my way. Real easy stuff. Um, so integrated exercise, great. My dial back day, hashtag dial back day, still rolling. And uh, what it has morphed into is what I'm doing today, which is 
not eating, just water up until dinner, and then I'll have a dinner and move on. I did eat this weekend, and not not crazy. I've kind of evened that out in a good way, but but you know definitely let loose a little bit more. Not as not as healthy. We had some people over last night. The people who don't freaking listen to my podcast. That's the last time they'll be welcome in my house. By gum, mm, mm. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. Just good. Just with my new coffee maker. I'm like a giddy little kid over here with my new po- coffee maker. I'm just so excited. This is the little things. Um, yeah. So the so the dial back day. Just di- I I like I got over the hump with that like two months ago or a month ago, and where I now I just oh thank goodness tomorrow I'm not going to eat all day because yeah that's the other side of the coin of this weekend. You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, not, no buzzkill intended on this right now, what I'm going to tell you at all. Um, but my dog, my big white dog, if you guys have subscribed to my YouTube channel or watched those videos, you've seen her, Bronte is her name, got really sick all of a sudden. And she runs with Lisa, my wife, and, and started to just kind of behave lethargically. And it, it was of concern. And we thought, well, maybe she just doesn't feel that, that great. But then she stopped eating. And so we took her to the vet. And three days in a hospital in in like a town that's two and a half hours away later, um, got diagnosed with this rare genetic craziness called Addison's disease. It's the opposite of something called Cushing's. And Cushing's is like two, an overactive adrenal gland. Addison's underactive. So she like she didn't have enough cortisol and enough prednisone, like the stuff that is normally floating around in low levels. She had lower than that. And just serious stuff, like almost died, and I got a call eleven thirty, and at night from from the hospital, what do we do if her heart stops? I mean, it was just crazy. What happened? She's four and a half years old. Of course, when I read up on Addison's, guess what? It hits female dogs between four and five. Done, done, and done. There she is, right in the demographic. Good for her. If I just, I think if we had celebrated her birthday last week, I would have saved just a just a ton of money. Um. But anyway, she's better. Lisa picked her up today from the hospital down there. I drove her down on Saturday, but Lisa came back today. And she's tired, but she's she's back. And I'm like amazed. Um, I mean, partially amazed and also just relieved. You know, they're family. And, it just, it just, and, and the worst thing for me is like they don't understand. You can't communicate like, here's what I'm doing. I'm dropping you off to this place because it's good for you. There's got to be some part of them just going, did I just get dropped off somewhere randomly for no reason and just didn't, they just, that was it? Um, good good seeing you for four years. Okay. Uh, so she's better and she's happy to be home, I can tell. So anyway, why am I mentioning that? To, not to buzzkill. Okay, not, not. But why am I mentioning? I'm mentioning because uh, apologies for just trite, cliche crap. But here it goes. Life happens. Oh, ugh, God, sorry. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, life happens. And we, like I talked about last week, you know, we can't get high and sort of shield ourselves. It, it happens. Stuff happens all the time, no matter what. And I still believe that through small steps is, is, is about opening. Small stepping is opening. Small stepping is adventure. It is, it is a talk about an ethic and a practice. It is uh, going into your life to be open to new things, but but with that said, that we we stuff happens that's bad in our lives. Like in the moment, it's 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 horrible and it's tragic and it's pain and it's 
fear and it's, you know, all that stuff and it's serious stuff. And, and so I think on some level, we all know that's just potentially around the corner, you know, like it's the worst feeling that, but that's life. Like we know when we have a child that we're setting, we know when we have a pet that we're, there's something's going to come down the line. The chances of that happening are serious, whether it's a sickness or just them dying because they don't last as long as we do on the earth. And we, and we, and there's a certain beauty of our species that says, knowing that I'm still, I still want to do this. I still want to have this experience with this other being. I still want to relate on this level. I still want to have a, a, a deeper, meaningful experience of my life via my relationships with people and with animals. And so it's something courageous and brave in the human species that knowing what we know is like the comedian who said, yeah, if you want to teach your kids about death, you know, buy them a, buy them a parakeet, you know, like it, like that's the only reason you would get a pet just to sort of school them on what death is like. Cause it's going to come within two years or whatever the hamster is going to be around that long. And so it's, you know, there's two choices. One is go for it and work on yourself and become somebody who's understands the reality of those things and has put enough thought to those things that you, when it happens, it doesn't derail you. Or number two, just don't ever do it. Just don't ever engage, don't ever relate and just try to not have to ever experience pain and then just see the pain that happens when you do that, okay? Because it's coming, it's gonna come. And that's why I always say like there's struggle in our lives. It's just what it is. And I always think the better we get at that struggle, means the better able we are to achieve incredible success in our lives. The more you, that's why I don't want people to start a diet until like, get prepare yourself to be okay with struggle. Prepare yourself because if you can dive in in little ways in discomfort and struggle, you learn quickly because what comes with struggle, of course, is the feeling of accomplishment and the self-esteem and self-confidence that I always talk about. So you you learn to do that long before you dive in on the thing you think is going to make you the happiest, which is to be at a healthy weight, which it may. But don't don't start until you're ready for struggle. Yeah, I'm cool with struggle. Now I'll do an ultra marathon because I know I bet that's going to feel freaking good because I've been used to struggle and I and I and I understand it and pretty awesome. So one of the things I wanted to mention was I got this um, email randomly from, not randomly, from from this guy named John Mettinger. If you guys are ultra marathoners, you've heard of him. If you're not, then you haven't. Uh, he runs the Lake Sonoma 50 for years. He's like a, they call him Tropical John. He's like this, he's just like these, they, they, I love ultra marathoning because it's not mainstream. Like it's still under the radar. And so the people that are like icons in ultra marathons are usually nutty, nut, nut in the best way. Like in the, that's why I love, I, I'm sure certain that I'm drawn to ultra marathoning because of the high nutty, nut, nut factor. Guaranteed. Why? Look at me. I'm the same guy. Right. Okay. And so anyway, his wife or partner or whatever is Lisa Henson. She emailed me and said, listen, we've got this guy who's a, who again, like is an icon in the world of ultra marathoning. His name's Errol Rocket Jones. And he, you know, we, and I had told them I would let, uh, give them a few spots of in the race. And so they said, can we, can we get him in? And I said, sure. And I had kind of cursorily heard of him, but not really, didn't really know. And I looked him up and I just comped him a thing because he's friends with them. And, and he's this like famous guy. And so he's coming into the race and incredible. He's 65 years old. He's been plant-based for 46 freaking years. He wrote me a very like 
classy, gracious email. Like I didn't even, it's just really nice. And he and he's just he's just like a real dude. If you want to look him up, Errol Jones, Errol Rocket Jones. I might maybe I'll put a um, a link to this incredible five minute video that they did on him. Um, REI did it on him, and he's run. I don't even know how many ultras, hundreds, I probably. And so he um, is incredible, but he describes ultra marathoning, and probably better than any other place that I've read about it really gets to the essence of of ultra marathoning. And, and again, if you're not an ultra marathoner, watch the video because it really isn't. It's less about ultra marathoning and more about life in the way that I see this. And here's what I mean. He talks about how, and I've had this exact experience, which I know I've shared with you guys, but how no matter who's competing in an ultramarathon, like if somebody falls or is having a hard time, it's amazing like the number one women and number one men will still stop and go, are you okay? Like it's, it's, we haven't, it hasn't lost that. It's not cutthroat. It's beautiful. And, when, and the way that he describes it, he's like, the, everybody in this sport knows that as much as we compete with each other, we know that it's all of us individually against the distance. In other words, I can compete with another, another guy next to me, but we both sort of know that it's us against the, the 50K or us against the 50 miler or the 100 miler. And, and that trumps the human to human competition. And I think that that's the way that I look at that with life is to get more into competition with ourselves and more into the, the, the beauty that comes with challenge and, and, and the stretch and what that can deliver for us in terms of when we return to our lives day to day. So we do this challenge like a 50K that I just ran, um, and that day was the challenge of it. But then that affects and colors my life, my everyday life. When you when you stretch in in periods, you, it it affects in a positive way the way that you come back into, in a way, the mundane of the of of a work schedule or just the things you do every day, and it definitely affects the the appreciation of the things that you do have. I think when we stretch ourselves that way, again, it's the opening of this process. So um, I'll probably link to that video because it's, it's great. I mean, it just shows this guy, he's 65 years old. I mean, it's unbelievable. Running and just doing long races and just this lifetime of of the struggle. And he talks about struggle a lot in that video. It's like, you gotta, you just, it's gonna suck. And it's, and, but it, it sucks little less, but it's amazing capital A because it's, you've put struggle in the context of what it takes to live healthy and happy. Just like I, you know, when my friends ask me if I just talk about food every week, no, I, I don't because what I want is for people to stop thinking about food so much. It's, it's crazy. We, we, we've decided that that's the thing that we should spend more of our time on than anything else. And it's, to me, it's less, it should spend less time on that than anything else. And enjoy food, have fun. Just don't think about it too much. Like it's just, this is not worth it. It's not what does it for us, for most people. Um, like any other one thing, you know? So it could be exercise for whatever, but I think when we put all our eggs in that basket, it's crazy. Um, or crazy making, I'll put it that way, okay? All right. Um, I will make a quick announcement. I, I'm only two weeks away, but so I'll let you know. But I'll be at the Arizona Veg Food Fest January 28th and 29th. I'll be at the Marshall, Texas Health Fest March 31st to April 2nd. This is all 2017, if you're just wondering. And so far, I'm, I'll be at the Triangle Veg Fest in Durham, North Carolina. I'm waiting to hear from the Charlotte Veg Fest. 
if any of you if any of you know or live out there and you go to the Charlotte Feds Fest, write them an email and say, get this guy out there because they they're considering me. They seemed like they were on board, but I never know what happens. Maybe eventually they're just like, yeah, but he's bald. And so, no, we don't allow that in our state. Um, and I can almost understand that. I mean, I could almost understand that. And I would wear, to me, I would wear a wig just to get to Charlotte. But don't tell them that. Just say, get him here anyway. Don't be a baldist. Say, okay? Mm. Mm. Coffee. It's, it's for life. I, don't, I just was trying to figure out a tagline. All right, you guys. So let's get into this week's episode subject. And let me just regather my thoughts here so I can actually speak the language that I was raised in, which is English and apparently lost the function there for about 30 seconds. So sorry about that, but I'm back, baby. The great overthink. Okay, I've kind of set this up this week. Okay, the great overthink. Uh, this, this, and oftentimes I'll, I'll work on episodes that are relating to things that are happening in my life and, and my experience of those things, and I share those things with you. And that was this week with the dog, with my, my dog. There's a thing where we don't know, and I've talked about the not knowing and, and how small stepping is just, in my opinion, like the best system ever to get us okay with the not knowing because it ma- it makes it keeps us busy with action. And I, I love like I that's my fa- one of my favorite things about being a small stepper and, and talking about my brand of small steps because it's unlike any others because it it. In, in an odd way, it's it's not about the the steps themselves. So it's like, you know, the deep breathing is not it, in the beginning when you're doing a few deep breaths. It's not about the you know getting into the freaking nirvana. It's about the action of taking control of your life, and it's about in, the engagement in that way, um, and less about just kind of the results and all these kinds of things. We we are kept busy with action, which I, I really like. Um, and so that way we are constantly on the move and constantly growing and evolving because we're not getting ourselves distracted with, you know, stuff that's not real. Got it? Like numbers on a scale or whatever. Okay. Um, but the great overthink was, um, and also, by the way, getting to know ourselves better than ever before via the small steps. Okay. I did trick a client. I have to tell you this. Um, and I keep this, you know, my, they don't, you won't know who I'm talking about, but I did mention meditation and then they were like, well, wait, like we haven't done a meditation step. And I was like, got ya. Cause we did a deep breath step. And they're like, ah, oh, you bastard. They didn't say that they could have. Um, and, and it, it, it is about this kind of breaking down the preconceived notions we have about what things are. I've talked about this a thousand times, but if you're just joining me, this is what it is. We have an idea of what meditation is, and therefore, because we make this up, nothing that's not like this fits in as meditation. So therefore, if it's 45 minutes on a pillow, then if you're not doing that, you're not meditating. And I think it's a bunch of crap. I think it's I think we make up this stuff, and I think we should just make it up to make it work for us. So three deep breaths is as much, to me, it is, for me, as much meditation as 45 minutes. It's qualitatively as much meditation as 45 minutes, just not as long. That's it. But the intentional three deep breaths is meditation. And when you build that into your life, you become somebody who meditates and then eventually maybe somebody who does that for 45 minutes. I don't know, don't care. I just want to get you going. I want to get you seeing that you can pull that off in the context of your life. One other thing I, I did want to mention, I'm going to kind of an, as an aside, because I did want to bring this up is, is uh, I, here's what I think to be true. And I really 
do believe this. I think that big steps, I think that big goals and big steps are way easier than the small ones. I, I think when you take on a big old challenge like a diet or a training plan for a ultra, I think that's easy. That's easy. That's easy money. Like that, because it's laid out, it's there, it's so huge that when you decide to do it, there's no question about what it's like. You just pop that on your life, you shove everything else aside, and this is your life for the next 21 days or three months or whatever. And boom, it's like there, and it's just all focus, boom. And it is, <clears throat> talk about balance. It is at in many cases at the expense of other parts. You have to if you if you think as a person who really wants to achieve good balance, you're probably naturally not going to do a diet because you're going to realize like if I do this, then I, all these other things are going to happen. That's just my, that ain't my bad. If you're really somebody who has an ethic of balance and and sort of evening things out in your life, you're naturally don't grapple with whether or not to do a diet. Become somebody who who approaches their life in a uh, with an ethic of balance. And you'll find yourself not doing a diet because it just doesn't fit in that way. You, you'll find yourself changing your your healthy eating habits for sure. And then you're going to do it in a way that doesn't totally upset everything and piss everybody off and change your life and cause you a bunch of stress to the point that you quit. So, boom. But, but small steps, that's hard. And that's why with clients, when I work with people privately, is I start them off so small because... For many of them, the assumption is, ah, that's okay. He's just starting me small, but that's super easy. We'll get to it. And then all of a sudden, for for some people, they go, holy crap, that was harder than I thought. How was I not able to pull that off? That was so small. It was 15 seconds. And for the last three days, I forgot. And that's the tough part of being a small stepper. That's Again, I always say this, but that's why I come here every week because it's not easy. This is not easy, you guys. You want to talk about a challenge? This is the challenge. This is, this, this is harder than any diet you'll ever, ever do because this is, first of all, it's long-term. It's the rest of your life. And second of all, it's this like little subtlety. I talk about making cracks in your wall of behaviors. Well, that's what this is. It's making cracks in your wall of behavior. It's not tackling your wall, you know, crumbling your wall of behavior to put this you know, artificial thing that's short-term on your plate for three months. It's keeping your wall of behaviors, your teeth brushing and your meals and your social things and your work, and but then injecting these little things. And you realize when you do that, that the mental energy way trumps, sorry, I just threw up in my mouth again, uh, way trumps, whoop, there it was again. Okay, way over, way over bears upon. <clears throat> I I don't have a thesaurus on me, otherwise I would totally look up a synonym for that whole thing. Um, way over does the the time of the actual step. the The real estate in your brain, the mental energy in your brain. You realize when you try a little step, like like get up and take three deep breaths in the morning. And all of a sudden, three mornings, you're like, oh my God, what happened? I got up and I did my routine of brushing my teeth and making my coffee and packing my bag and getting into my car. And I didn't do three deep breaths, which takes 20 seconds. And you realize like, whoa, so it's not the time of that step. It's just that in my normal routine, my brain is has been programmed to behave a certain way. And I'm trying to upset that programming just a little bit. And that's that's hardcore. I mean, the programming of us, the behaviors and the habits that we do every day are very powerful. They are never to be underestimated. 
And so that's why I start people off. And sometimes with most clients, I would say I pull the reins in so significantly in the beginning and start them off with one deep breath because I want them to see immediately like, this isn't about the 10 seconds of the deep breath. This is about you're going to see that your brain is programmed from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. because you've been doing that for 10 years. And so to think that you can upset that really easily is just is just ludicrous. And so if we start with one deep breath, you can then you know use the tools of being a small stepper, which is like leave yourself a note. But people think it's, I shouldn't have to leave myself a note for one deep breath. It's only 10 seconds. They always come back to the time or the quantity of that step. And I'm here to tell you and people I work with, it, right now, it ain't the quantity of the small step. It's that you're taking on anything. It's that you're upsetting the routine and 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 the what you do every day. You're upsetting that, and the and more importantly, even than that, what is happening in your brain. Notice that we're on autopilot when we brush our teeth and make our coffee. We're we're not. It's not in that forefront place of. Now I'm going to make my coffee. I walk four feet down here and I put this many scoops in and I hit go. You know, it's like <clears throat> we have to, that goes on autopilot. And so usually what we're thinking about is, oh, I got all the stuff to do today. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got to make sure I can pick up the kids and I, I got this stressful report due at work and blah, blah. And we kind of, that's all just swirling around and it's so impacted and so full that even a 10 second deep breath is hard. So why would it be, why is it so ridiculous to think that 45 minutes of meditation is just not at all something we should pursue initially? Because it's just, I think we need to just lightly shove a little mental space over here and move a little bit of the worry about the report. Just just move it over, a li- just, just 10 seconds. I'm just gonna move that over for 10. I'll worry about it in 10 seconds, but for now, I'm just gonna take one nice couple deep breaths and that'll be that, you know, and we kind of make little subtle moves. <clears throat> it's way bigger than the 10 second deep breath and the two deep breaths or whatever, however you want to look at it. Way bigger. It's it's just, we, but it's deceptive because we look at it on paper and say, oh, one deep breath, that's easy. Yeah, okay. If it were already a habit for you and you'd already got it done and it's fine, you get it. Yeah, it's easy because then it, then it is about the time. Yeah, it's one deep breath because I did the, the groundwork to make that part of my routine. But until that time, it is it, it is hard to do. And that's the sell that I come here every week to convince you of because you just go, ah, like I just got an email from a guy and he's like, I never had a list before. Like I, I, I've been a small stepper and I consider that, <clears throat> but I've never actually like created the list. And he's realizing because you can behave like a small stepper and you can, you can agree with me. You can go, yes, I like Sid's approach and, and so I want to take that on. Well, the actual physical list, guys, is just part of, you can't do it without it, in my opinion, because it's, it's, if you try to remember that stuff and you try to remember the steps on your list, that's again, you're expending mental energy that you may not have right now. And so having it external to you on a piece of paper is huge or on your phone or whatever. It's big time because it's, it's recognizing the effort it takes to break in any new habit, period. So that's why, you know, when you hear me talk about that meal plan that Matt and I did, it's like, we are so overcautious with of, of just telling people, take it easy. Do not follow this plan straight up. In six months or a year, follow the plan. And then you know st- stay with it and stay with the Q&As because you need that support. And that goes for anything that you do, period. It takes up mental energy and you've got to be able to shift things around to pull that off. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, I just want to make sure the you guys freaking understand that, right? I am running again. Did I mention that? I've run five, I've only run five times since my race. Five freaking times since my race, which was a month, almost two months ago. Oh my goodness. I just have not been. I've been riding in the morning. I've been going to the inn early and getting some riding done. That's been really nice. But I ran two times this weekend. I ran a, a 9.7 with Sid and Bree. And the next day, Sid was like, you want to go out again? I was like, no, yes. And did another six back-to-back on trails and felt great. I, I'm really happy about my level of fitness. I didn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to break speed records. I'm going out and we're having fun. Uh I had, I had, so two things that happened. One is I had a run with Brie and Sid on Saturday and Brie was running. She had to get back and she was like running. We were, it took a little too long because we had these storms and so the trails were just covered with branches and trees and we were like, it was like a freaking jungle. We were climbing and so we were slowed down a lot because just of the, of the sheer nature of it. So Brie was getting a little stressed and I said, okay, you want to get back? Let's get back, baby. And so we took off and Sid wasn't that far behind actually. Uh, until she almost fell, and she was like, "Okay, you go ahead." Um, but Bree and I like took it hard. I haven't run that hard in a long, and it was jungle animal freaking. It was fun. It was fun. We were dodging under trees and climbing over crap, and just oh my god, it was so. I mean, just why I love trail running. I don't do that often, you guys. You know, I take it easy and go slow. But man, and I'm talking about probably half a mile of but it was just like okay i'll get you back to your car and it was just boom and it was so we both felt like we'd done cocaine we were like high at the end she's like oh my god and she gets in her car and goes the next day uh sid and i ran sid didn't have a good time she kept telling me a tale of of cheese sticks telling me a tale of cheese sticks the whole time oh i ate cheese sticks last night i ate fried cheese it was cheese i that's that's it Finally, toward the end of the run, I said, and she was really having a hard time. I said, how many cheese sticks did you have? Because this is like, you're feeling it. We've been running out here almost an hour and a half. She goes, well, only four. And I go, okay, well, that's that's like cheese sticks. You know how I feel about cheese. It ain't the best thing in the world. Kind of like the worst thing in the world, but okay. But there's only four, and you ate it the night before. She goes, oh, and mayonnaise. I go, mayonnaise with cheese sticks? She goes, no, mayonnaise with the French fries. I said, okay. That came with the cheeseburger. I said, Tell me more. And I, I basically got on the robes and I built a, a makeshift confessional. And just we just sat there with a screen between us because I just felt like she wanted to just let this out finally. And so it was cheese sticks, cheeseburger, french fries, and a chocolate shake. She's 5'4". I can't even eat that much. I don't even know how she pulled that off. Now, when are she was dying? She looked not well and she had to go to work. So I bid her adieu. Um, and with just said, hail Mary, that one, because you're going to pay for it. Your body's going to tell you what what's what. Uh, and I said, and also listen to this podcast, because I'm going to make fun of you on it. So she's this is no surprise. She knew it was coming. You can't hide the cheeseburger, french fries, and chocolate shake for an hour and 29 minutes of an hour and a half run and then lay on the last most of the calories in the last five seconds. It's crazy. Totally as an aside, and I know I'm going a little bit off tangent. I'm going a little tangential in this episode. 
somebody was talking to me about um, caloric concentration and stuff at the end. And so I did a search because I often talk about how, you know, I'll eat 10 or 15 bananas. And I know that sounds like a ton to people, but calorically it's, uh, I always say it's about what, what I would eat at McDonald's in a given sitting. And I had a rough idea that that was true. And so, but then I thought I should look it up and like actually quantify it. It's, it's the McDonald's is more, here's what I used to eat. This was my normal McDonald's order when I was high school up until through college. Big Mac, six-piece chicken McNugget, large fry, not supersized, large fry, and a large Coke. Not an extra large, large. Six, Big Mac, six-piece chicken McNugget, large fry, large Coke. 1,594 calories. 1,594 calories. More than an average of than what you would get from about 15, 10 to 15 bananas. Usually I'm about in the 12 to 13 banana realm. It's just whatever fits in my blender. That's less calories than what fits in this tiny little bag that was like, oh, shot, just shot. But I knew it, but I didn't know it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And people go, oh my gosh, 12 bananas, that's insane. That's so extreme. That's so much food. But yet, a little bag of Big Mac, you know, because ah, we, we were raised on McDonald's. Nobody thinks that's extreme. I was consuming 1,594 calories in a sitting. That was one of the meals I ate. And my pants were too short because I was growing like a just, a just a crazy giraffe neck was my body in high school. Just thin and short pants. I was like, Mom, could you, could you not have... One of two things I needed from my mother. One was either to buy me some pants that fit or not take a picture of me wearing said pants. Those would have been really ideal in my effort to get girlfriends. Just don't take a photo or buy me some new Levi's because these are too short because I just grew four inches in the last weekend eating Steakums. You guys remember Steakum? Really? Me too. Fan-freaking-tastic. Okay, let me get to this episode. Let me get to the issue because yeah, I'm just been I'm having fun with you guys. You guys having fun? This has been great. I mean, the back and forth of this all. You guys have made some fantastic points, but I need to focus. Okay, so can you just just shut it for just the last ten or fifteen minutes? Okay, so we're gonna talk about the subject of this week's episode. Okay, good. Mm. The great overthink. Back full circle. Sorry, sorry, but this week as I was dealing with my dog, a lot of stuff of not knowing. I talked about this before comes up when we have a, a thing like this, and this isn't about my dog, but just about life. So my dog gets sick, and there's this thing of like, we don't know what to do. The vet didn't know what it was. They thought it was this thing. They thought, okay, well, here's your options. Okay, now when the options come, now it's options in the context of overall having no idea. So it's, you know, the vet here said, you know, I, I do recommend that you take her down to this hospital, but I don't, it, it, I mean, it could be this, but it also could be this. And I can treat this thing here, but not this other thing. And, and you were bombarded with this crazy menu of choices all within the thing that we don't even know what restaurant we're at. And we're just like, I don't know what to eat because it's just, there's too many choices and I don't, nothing is like, it's clear. That happens in our lives. We have a lot of things go on like that. And 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 one of the things I want to be constantly getting better at, and I've definitely improved in my own life, is just pulling the trigger. Just, just yeah, we're going to do this. Just Because I think death lays in the, the inaction. I think death lays in indecision. A, a figurative death. You know, like, just, go, I talked about this a long time ago with Josh Lajani. He was a guest on my podcast, um, 
last year, I think. And, um, and he's like, just, you know, for him too, like make a decision, even if it's the wrong decision. And I think we're so fearful of failure and so afraid that we're going to make this massive bad decision that we don't decide anything. And I think we have to pull the trigger. When I talked about earlier in this episode of the idea, the concept of control, I think when we don't decide, it's because we have this false sense that we can control the outcome. And so we're constantly figuring out which way to go that gives us the most control of something that frankly, we just don't have control over. And so I think for many situations, not all, we can, we need to get better about our knowing ourselves and knowing when to stop learning about the options. When we know enough information that we're not going to probably know any more information that's going to be relevant and it's all going to be conjecture that we say, okay, I kind of don't, nothing has presented itself that clearly to me in terms of do this over do this. So I'm just going to roll the dice because it's just, let's just do it. And then I have the strength and, and self-confidence to then deal with what comes next. But we, boy, we, I want to know what comes. I don't want to make that decision until I know what comes next. Well, you're not going to know what comes next. Well, but, but, but I, but I want to know what comes next. Okay, but you're not going to know what comes next. Okay, then just do it anyway. That's that's the power of of action in our lives of making a decision and just being like, yeah, if worst case scenario it's wrong, then I'll shift at that time because guess what? I'm not married to any like rigid militant way because I'm a freaking small stepper. We are strong and we know it. And I'm not being a cheerleader. You know that. But I, I, there's a strength in us. This is not me rah rah on you. you. I talk about it every week. This is not you guys are strong. You are, we do know. We have the brain power to do this. We absolutely do. But when we weigh the possible outcomes and just sit there, I hate meetings for this reason. Like, let's, let's just meet that thing to death. Let's just talk about stuff instead of making a meeting what it should be, which is five minutes and then to actually get stuff done. I don't want to deliberate. And a good leader, in my opinion, and, and how you can be a leader in your own life, because that's what this is, is you becoming the director of your own movie, is to say, we're just pulling, it was, we're doing this. And it could be the wrong decision this time, but it's going to be the right decision next time. But you get adventure and fun and engagement and awareness. That's what I talk about, these values. You get that when you act. You don't get it when you deliberate. I'm so, I'm so over-deliberation. And so... As painful as it was for Lisa and me to be like, what do we do? And there's financial situations, you know, considerations of it. And but we don't want to make the and, and our life, the life of our dog is in the balance. And it was just, and it was like, okay, eventually it's like, okay, really quickly, here's what we're gonna do. And I, if it works out great, which in this case it did, fantastic. And if it doesn't, it's not gonna be for lack of trying. And it's not because I'm reckless. It's gonna be that I weighed the outcomes. I got to know. I know myself enough to this point, and I'm certainly in my own practice on this and, and believe I can. there's places for improvement, but at some point I was like, we're not gonna know any more than we know right now. Like it is time to act. Once you are aware of yourself enough to recognize when you know everything you're gonna know because you don't know the outcome, you just pull the trigger. Indecision is, is death. Death lies in deliberation. And... You, I think deliberation is good. I think that weighing outcomes is great, but I think that they very quickly become equated, equate, equate. They become equated to, to death. To, to just death to me is like not acting. It's just doing nothing. That to me is. And you want to learn enough, of course. And you want to know enough, of course. You, if you don't learn anything, then you're just reckless. 
Then you just, I'll do that. And it may just be completely ridiculous. So we do learn a certain amount. But again, my point to just drive it home is it's not turning your brain off to knowledge. It's just knowing when, okay, this, I got, I know, I either know enough or I know that I'm not going to know anymore. And so those two things say, boom. But what happens for many people is that we get, we, we don't, we, we still overthink and we get to the overthinking process so much that we absolutely do not act. And when we don't act, we, again, we, we lose the, the, the wonderfulness that we can get in our lives. All right. So the great overthink is that message of like, we overthink. And by the way, the internet is not helping here because of course there's always more knowledge to be had. And again, it's like we, and we go to these veg fests where I'm speaking and people are taking notes and they want to know, no, 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 no. And I'm like, you knew enough two years ago. That's why we say like people generally have a good idea what it is to eat, eat healthy. That's not stopping people from eating healthy. Knowledge is not stopping people from not eating healthy. Most cases, some people don't know and they believe the high protein craziness and whatever, but, but most people have an idea. Most people have an idea and that's not what's stopping us from not eating healthy. It's, it's, it's the decision-making in our lives. It's the, it's the moving to act in our lives. It's the refusal to act in our lives, essentially. But I wanted to make this point and that is that the, and I talk about this a lot because it's, this is sort of like the philosophy major in me sort of looking at the, the, the difference between the feel, what we feel and how we act. And sometimes I would say, you know, I would say most times as we try to improve our lives via health and happiness, we are initially, our feelings are going to be not lining up with how we're acting. And that is, talk about discomfort and struggle, that may be where it exists. I mean, that may be where it exists, is that our feelings, especially when it comes to like cravings, but also just our feelings are, here's how I think about it. I think our feelings are programmed. I think that we maybe, we react certain ways because we are, where we were born with it genetically kind of thing, or we learned it at an early age. How we react to things is often dialed in pretty strongly. But even in that context, and where I think the beautiful part of our nature is, is that even in that context, we can act in spite of those things. That's a, that, again, I always say, don't underestimate, don't underestimate that. That is power, the very definition of power. We can actually feel afraid to, to get on stage and just, just get on stage. It's amazing. That's amazing. Because the feeling may be because when we were born, we, we, are, we were a kid and somebody laughed at us, blah, blah, blah. And so we'd kind of do all this work slash IE struggle to get in touch with ourselves. And we realize in a moment of clarity that public speaking is, is something we want to pursue or playing music on stage is something we want to do. And we go, yeah, but then there's that feeling that just it's still there. It doesn't go away. Why isn't it going away? I don't know. I don't know. It just, okay, but let's focus on what you want to do in your life. And you walk on stage in spite of intense fear and apprehension. There's actors who have been doing it forever who are like, I, I can't remember who it is. It might be like Henry Fonda who throws up before he goes on stage like every time. And he's been doing it forever and he still goes up because he knows the big picture of his life is that, this, that, that the acting that he does and the pursuit of his dreams is way more important than the feeling of, fear that drives him to throw up before he gets on stage. And it also could just be that he ate bad, bad cheese. I don't, I'm not saying, I mean, cheese sticks and French fries and a, that'll do it. But it's the, understand that the feelings 
to train to try to change those feelings, I think is <clears throat> a fool's a fool's errand. I think to say, well, I'm going to take on my stage fright, and I'm going to really get into that and say, I got to change that feeling. When I think the feelings will, it's almost like they're just running a little far behind. When you start acting <clears throat> in terms of who you are and getting on that stage. I think the feelings will come along for the ride. They might not be there the whole way. They're not going to go all the way necessarily. You're not going to not have fear at all, but it goes down. It decreases. You don't, it's not debilitating. It's not creating a thing where you don't act. And you talk about the great overthink. It's like you can overthink your feeling of fear and stage fright till the cows come home or until worse yet, because when the cows come home, it's great. Hi guys. I hope you know enjoy the trip. But worse than that is, you're overthinking and overanalyzing why you have stage fight and you're just never going to get on stage. And you're, again, in action. And small stepping is action. It is action. Every step on every list I've ever worked with, on, with every single client I've ever worked with has a step on their list. Every single 100% of steps are action. 100% of steps are action. Period. No thinking. It's, you know, the thinking's been done, but now it's time to move. And when we get into that practice for ourselves, when we don't overthink, we think, but we don't overthink. I want to be very clear on this. I, I, I don't want anybody to interpret what I'm talking about this week as Sid just doesn't value not like research and all. Of course I do. But that stuff changes, and you know that it changes, and you know that I can have 10 studies that say this, and you can have 10 studies that say this, and, and I can be so clear that vitamin A in a multivitamin is fantastic because it was up until the point that they realized it was toxic. So what happens to the multivitamins up until that point? Well, that's just one of the thousands of things that have been completely reversed where we finally go, what? After all that time, that's BS? You've got to be kidding me. Well, that's going to happen. And when we can sort of dial things back down to get a little bit more in touch with who we are and how we are natural in our in, in our existence as animals and we can sort of tap into some of the common sense that I do think exists when we get better at that we do better and it's not because I think that knowledge isn't useful of course it is but at some point we got to let that go and act because otherwise we're just going to be knowledge seeking and not life seeking when we get into the practice of pursuing our lives this way we understand this very, very, and I'm going to finish with this point because this is kind of the crux of this week's topic. We, 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 we understand even in the moment of <clears throat> difficulty, like I'll just say it, my dog this week, which was stressful and weighed on me. Like people are like, you look tired. I'm like, yeah, because in my brain, I am tired. I don't care how many hours I slept. We, we get more perspective the more decisions we make, the more we act, then we get to see how those actions play out. And when we get to see how those actions play out, we realize this kind of humbling truth that most of the things that are heavy in the moment, five years from now, and it means that it could be painful. My dog could have died this week because of a decision I made. And I would feel the pain of that and I would feel the regret of that. But eventually, my life would go on. That I know. And this isn't me being callous. I would be heartbroken. But it's better than me not. I 
would put it this way. If my dog died because I didn't make a decision and I just sat in a room, and I don't know what to do. I could do this and I could do that. And I can, she's waiting for me to do something on her behalf. I think I would feel worse about that. We gain perspective the more we act because we realize that as our decisions that are so heavy, do I take this job or this job? Well, just take the freaking job. And you're going to realize five years from now, like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. I would have never known if I'd sat in a freaking room and deliberated about it. We know and we get perspective of knowing that most of our so-called tough decisions aren't really that hefty in the grand scheme of things. They have a lot of weight in the moment, but if we just barrel through them and act, we realize, yeah, it wasn't like the, the biggest thing in the world, and maybe it caused me a little more struggle, but I kind of got it. They're not life and death. I didn't go left and then jump off and then just fall off a cliff and die. That Okay, that's that's big. That didn't like give me perspective. That killed me. But for most of our things, it's not a black or white choice. It's subtleties. And we, we gain, gain enough knowledge and then, and then go with it and then see, have the fun of seeing where that plays out. How amazing is that where we can, let me just see. And it could suck, but like then we get to see how we get through it and we have the strength to get past it and we have the strength to re-engage with our lives past that. How do we ever know that kind of strength? How do we ever know the power that, again, I'm not a cheerleader here. This isn't me just positive think yourself as a powerful being you are it talking about heartbreaking when i see somebody who's got the fire and i you all do whether it's sort of out there enough to see yet or not you got the fire it's there and when i see it and i and it's not being expressed for talk about genetics i don't know what it is in me that tries that i just want to grab that person and just go let's get you and I can't because they're on the street and I don't know them and it would be assault battery. I'd be grabbing them by the shoulders and, and shaking them to, into being a small stepper. That's not appropriate at all. But if I decided to do it, that would be great. I mean, you know, but there was a fire in us and that fire needs to be expressed. And I, I don't want you to overthink to the point where it just squelches the fire, where it just dampens that thing and keeps it burning at such a low level that we just don't ever let it out. And I... I don't know what it is in me and I finally just gave into it where I was just like, I'm doing this for a living because I love seeing that emerge in somebody. Not, I don't light anybody's fires. Never have. Never will. It's there. I just love the fact that I play some small role in, 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 in that fire growing and getting big and then I see somebody open up and I go, oh my God, that's the best. It's like, a, you want to talk about a drug? That's the drug. That's why I love the emails you guys send me because a lot of them are... Finally, I'm doing this thing and I go, boom, light the fire lit and it's burning better than it ever has. And maybe it's going to get brighter in a year from now, but you're, it's rolling and it's like brighter than it was and it's given off a lot of heat. And again, could be hotter in a year, but you're on your way and you're just adding to it fuel, fueling this fire over time. And it's just the most inspiring, awesome thing to see. And, and it's, I get the emails and I go, thank you for doing that because you just gave me free drugs that aren't going to make my liver tank. I get to take that drug of your story and your success and I don't have to feel hungover and go to Denny's and get moons over my hammy to deal with a hangover of that. I'm a nutritionist. That, by the way, that is prescriptive. That's prescriptive. If you have a hangover, go to Denny's and get moons over my hammy. All right, you guys. Choose, make a choice. Even, I know it's easier said than done, but learn, weigh the, weigh the options briefly, 
and pull the freaking trigger. Pull the trigger. Usually, as we small step in other areas, we get to know ourselves so much that when we cut through the crap, we actually know that most of our decisions really aren't. We we so are clear about which way we're going to go, but we got to like do the due diligence of like peeling that crap away and peeling that crap away and peeling that crap away. Of course, that's the job I want. But I had fear and what were my parents going to say? And, and, and then I would have to do this and this and that was going to get bad. But really, I always knew. All the way I knew that this was the job I was eventually going to get to. It just took me 14 hours that I missed being with my kids because I had to like take that time. And that may be the time you need to take right now. But keep yourself engaged and you will see yourself be able to make decisions faster than ever before because you're so clear about who you are. And when you're clear about who you are, the decisions really aren't really decisions. They are just how to cut through the crap until you do what you were meant to do. That, that appeals to you and that is in line with who you are. All right? All right, you guys. Shoot me an email, podcast at sidgarzahillman.com. You guys are doing great. Would you subscribe to my YouTube channel and subscribe to this podcast? I don't know why you wouldn't. How have you not subscribed to this podcast? You've, how do you listen to it and not subscribe? Subscribe. You guys are awesome. Donate to me if you feel so inclined. It does help even literally. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Two bucks, one dollar, two bucks, Okay. Two buck chuck. You can donate a two buck a bottle of two buck chuck to me. And I'd be very, very happy about that. You can go to Sid Garza Hillman for all that rigmarole. All right, you guys. You're doing great. I will be here next week with episode 175. Thank you, one and all, for listening and supporting and just being you and being at least open to what I talk about here every week. And and when you send me emails, it it makes me sometimes cry and it makes me laugh and it makes me feel inspired to live my own life. And I want to hand that back to you. And I think we do better when we when we uh, want to just help each other out. Dig? I'll see you next week, you guys. Be well. Did you give up? Did you give in? Did you fracture and split? Did you undo everything? I never did. I never did. Did you crack and fret? Did you went away? Did you live beneath a fire rose? Well, I, I, I never did. I never did. I never did. I never did. Roll around the curves, down straightaways Obstacles are nothing but in the way Both of us standing in blindsided Knowing what's wrong and everything's so far away Far away Fall down.
the ground Did you fall down And hit the ground I did I did Well I did I did Roll around the curves down straight away Obstacles are nothing but in the way Both of us standing in blindsided Knowing what's wrong and everything's so far away Far away Roll around the curves down straight away Obstacles are nothing but in the way Both of us standing in blindsided Knowing what's wrong Everything's so far away Far away